This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Verse 23 is written totally differently. We want it to be read that way, but it's not. And all those statements were true. They were 100% true. And all those statements are what they should have said to him. But they did not say any of those things, and that was the tragedy. And instead, we have to sadly read what they actually did say and what the verse does read, which is verse 23, verse 23. When he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, by what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? They didn't come to him as he was teaching in the temple, falling down before him, worshiping him, confessing their sins to him, repenting before him, begging for him to have mercy. They didn't do any of that. They didn't come to him being the elders of the people. They should have been telling the people that he was the Messiah, that he was God in the flesh, he was the Savior. Instead, they came as he was teaching, challenging his authority. Just the opposite of what they should have done and said. So when we see verse 23, we're reminded again that from the time of his birth, Jesus Christ was opposed. Whether he was as a baby, being opposed by a wild King Herod who ordered all the babies in Bethlehem to be murdered in an effort to kill him, or whether as a 12-year-old when he was in the temple challenging the doctors of the law with questions. In Luke 2.46, Luke 2.46, when it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Or later, when he was accused by the religious leaders of being in league with Satan in Matthew 12.24, Matthew 12.24, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. So now, with just a few days for him to live before he's murdered, he's opposed in the temple by the religious leaders who are seen here challenging his authority. And Jesus said that to follow him is to be hated by the world. 
And it was not easy for Christ to have to maneuver in a world that hated him. And it's not easy for any of his followers to maneuver in a world, to bring the word of Christ to a world that hates Christ. And all this hatred and all this strife and all this contention, sometimes it can really get to you. And it really got to Jeremiah. It really got to the prophet Jeremiah, who complained to his mother in Jeremiah 15.10, Jeremiah 15.10, where Jeremiah said, woe is me, my mother, that thou hast borne a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole world. I have neither lent on usury nor men have lent to me on usury, yet every one of them doth curse me. Jeremiah lived in a very sinful time in Israel's history, and therefore Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15.10 that he was a man of strife and a man of contention. To the whole earth, every one of them doth curse me. And we would say to Jeremiah, yes, Jeremiah, everyone curses you, Jeremiah, except for one, and that's God. Everyone curses Jeremiah, but God blesses Jeremiah. And what would you rather have? To be blessed by the world and cursed by God or to be cursed by the world and blessed by God? That's what's on the line. Well, here is now Jesus in this chapter and he is being cursed by the chief priests and the elders. And these are the two groups here. The chief priests and the elders are two groups of actual judges. They're actual judges in the two types of court that there were in Israel. There were two types of court. One court was for... um, a religious ecclesiastical, it was for trying cases of blasphemy against God. Those were the chief priests who were the judges in that court. And there was another court, which was for trying civil matters, and those was the elders of the people who were the judges in the civil court. But both those two groups of judges for those two types of courts have now joined together to oppose and challenge Jesus in verse 23. And they don't wait until he's finished teaching They don't wait till they might take questions, which I never do, but anyway, right in the middle of his teaching, they interrupt him. There were people in the temple who wanted to hear him. They were glued to what the Lord was teaching. They'd never heard anything like this before. He was so different from the other teachers. There was never a teacher like him. Matthew 7, 28 came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings. The people were astonished at his doctrine. He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. The chief priests and the elders knew that his authority was what astonished the people, and that's why they attacked his authority in verse 23 here. At one point in the past, the Pharisees had sent officers to arrest Jesus and to bring him to him for questioning. And the officers, when they went there, they were so captivated by what Jesus was saying that they returned and they said, we never heard anyone like this before. In John 7.45, John 7.45, then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto him, why have you not brought him? The officers said, never a man spake like this man. Then they answered the Pharisees, are you also deceived? When Jesus spoke, there was a distinctive assurance, there was a boldness that he had that where there was no tinge of uncertainty about what he said, like Pastor Jim used to always say, no doubt about it, he used to say that, no doubt about it. John 7, 25, then send some of them in Jerusalem, this he whom they seek to kill, but lo, he speaketh boldly. They say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Luke 19, 47, Luke 19, 47, he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and scribes, chief of the people, sought to destroy him. 
and could not what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. That Greek word there for attentive to hear him is the word hung, hung. It means they hung on every word that Christ spoke. And the fact that they interrupted him in the middle of his teaching, it shows the chief priests were interested in blocking the people from hearing him as he taught. This is what he said to the lawyers. So the lawyers, he said in Matthew 23, 13, Matthew 23, 13, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, or rather to the scribes and Pharisees, sorry. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You neither go in yourself, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. Christ is the only way to heaven, and when they stopped him from teaching, they were stopping others from entering into heaven. This is what he said to the lawyers, the lawyers in Luke 11:52, Luke 11:52. Woe unto you lawyers, you've taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering you hindered. The key of knowledge, he said, Christ is said to have be in Colossians 2:3, Colossians 2:3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is the key of knowledge. Christ is a hidden treasure. Jesus Christ is a hidden treasure. For most people, they look at Jesus Christ and they don't see any treasures that are hidden in him because they're hidden. They just see a religious figure like other religious figures. For most people, they look at Jesus Christ, they see a crucifix in a church and they're turned off. But Jesus Christ is a hidden treasure because in Jesus Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That means that Jesus Christ is the key of knowledge and when his enemies were interrupting him from teaching and silencing him, which they finally did when they murdered him, in taking him away, they were taking away the key of knowledge from the people. Christ was interrupted right in the middle of his teaching. I know how it feels because about 50 years ago when I came to this church, November 1970, when Don Ailes picked up my wife and I up in a Volkswagen van with their three little kids in sleeping bags that looked like animals. And they picked me up. They picked us up for a Sunday evening service. And I was only two months old in the Lord. I was just a new believer in Christ. And after coming here for a little while, Pastor Jim said to me, you're Jewish and you don't know the Bible. And I said, that's right. And he said, well, you're the new Sunday school teacher. That's how I became a Bible teacher. And not long after that, when I was teaching Sunday school right here, just where I'm standing right now. There was a man sitting right where Paul's sitting, that last pew back there. And right in the middle, that man, as I was teaching, interrupted and started challenging me with saying, that's not true, that's not true. That man was my father. That was the only time he ever came to church. So Christ was interrupted as he was teaching, and it wasn't over what he was teaching. It wasn't over the content. No one came to Christ and said, what you're teaching is not true. No one came to Christ and saying, your teaching is not in line with the scriptures. It was all a matter of authority. He was teaching, he was challenged over. Their question was who? Who gave you this authority to teach? And they had asked if, they were asking, do you have a license to teach? Show it to us. Did Caesar give you that authority to teach? Did one of the chief priests give you that authority to teach? Did the high priest give you the authority to teach? Did God give you the authority to teach? As if uh, they were actually asking, as they had said in the past, or did Satan give you that authority to teach? And this is what they were challenging Christ over. And this is what they were interrupting his teaching to ask him that question. 
Clearly, their intention was to stop him from teaching, just as it was when I was challenged about 50 years ago from the back of this church. Well, in case you haven't noticed, it didn't stop me. <laughs> and the question about authority didn't stop Christ either from teaching, just when they, they asked him that question. That Now, if we just take one step back on this scene from the drama of it all and just look objectively and kind of look at it on the surface, they actually asked him a question that's a very good question for us to ask ourselves. When we speak to someone about Jesus Christ, by what authority do we have the right to barge in on someone's life with the message that if they don't receive Christ as their savior, that they're gonna land in hell? I sat next to a man yesterday on the plane, well, a young man, from Indonesia. He never heard about Christ before, he was from Indonesia. What authority did I have just to bring the message to him? And second, who gives us this authority? I mean, the Bible says that there are those who preach and teach and they don't have authority. It says in Jeremiah 23, 21, Jeremiah 23, 21. I've not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I've not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way, from the evil of their doings. God stood amazed at this time that there were those with so much confidence, so much boldness, so much assurance, without one drop of doubt, and God said about those preachers and teachers in Jeremiah 23, 31, I've not sent those prophets, but they ran. I've not spoken to them, but they prophesied. It's like God saying, how can they have such chutzpah to teach and to preach the Bible, they say, when I didn't send them? And that brings us a question. How are we to know if God has sent a teacher and if God has spoken to that teacher and that teacher speaks for God? How are we to know that? When we hear a preacher or a teacher, how are we to know if he speaks for God? And the answer is God said in Jeremiah 23, 32, Jeremiah 23, 32, if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then should they have turned them from their evil way, the people, and from the evil of their doings. We can know by asking simple questions about a teacher or a preacher. And the first question is, is the direction of his teaching away from sin and towards holiness? Or is the direction of his teacher flattering the people with a message that man is essentially good inside and does not need to be sensitive to his sin to stomp it out? The second question, is the teacher showing the people how to repent and how to live a life that pleases God? Or is the teaching telling the people that they're really so good inside that all they have to do is learn how to, to turn themselves inside out and all that goodness will come out? Is the teacher saying that God is good and man is bad and therefore man needs God as a savior so he can get him to heaven? Or is their teacher saying that man is good, he's good enough to be able to work his way into heaven? This is what God means when he says that a true teacher with authority from God is 2332, 2332, should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. A true teacher with authority from God will teach that man has a hell-deserving sin problem and that man needs Christ too. 1 Corinthians 15.3, 1 Corinthians 15.3, Christ died for our sins. A true teacher with authority from God will teach man that he desperately needs Christ because 
Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Revelation 20.14, Revelation 20.14, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. A true teacher with authority from God will teach that man is separated from God, not God is my friend and I talk to him every day, but he is separated from God and needs to be reconciled to God by the blood of Christ because Isaiah 59.2, Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from him so that he will not hear. Romans 5.9, Romans 5.9, much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him, for if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. A true teacher will teach the need for reconciliation with God. A true teacher will show the way, God's way of reconciliation with God, and he'll know that he has authority from God to teach this reconciliation because of 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, and Christ said, be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's all about reconciliation, because two parties are at odd. Two parties are at enemies with each other. Two parties are at war with each other. There needs to be peace in the valley, and Jesus Christ brings peace in the valley between the two mountains of defiant parties, God and man. That's the Bible's message, and that's how you know. A true teacher will teach the need for reconciliation with God and the way of reconciliation with God. And the authority from God is necessary to teach and preach because Romans 10, 13, Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they not believed? How shall they shall believe in him and who have they not heard? How then shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? The authority to preach comes from being sent. Romans 10, 15, Romans 10, 15. How shall they preach unless they are sent? And the ultimate teacher was from God was Jesus Christ. As Nicodemus said in John 3, 2, John 3, 2, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. So Christ has been challenged with this question of by what authority he teaches and who gave him the authority. And the opponents, now with this question, they made a move on the chessboard of life. And his opponents have calculated that now they've got him trapped and their expectation is that either Christ will not give them an answer in which they'll say, his silence is proof he does not have authority to teach, or he'll say that his authority has come from God, in which case they will demand that he perform a miracle to prove it, and that will show the people that Christ listens to us and he does what we tell him to do when we ask for that. Therefore, we are superior to Jesus. So the stage is set. It's tense. 
Very tense, because the opponents think we've got them now with this question on the chessboard of life. They've tried to trap him. They've tried to catch him in the past. Luke 4, 28, Luke 4, 28. All they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. And now comes again with their questions, the rising up and the hope to destroy him. And again will come, he passing through the midst of them goes his way and he'll continue teaching. He will again slip out of their hands and he does it with such an admirable, elegant, another question and a promise. He says in verse 24, verse 24, Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me I in likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. He's made his move on the chessboard of life by saying, are you asking me questions? Are we asking questions? Is that your move on the chessboard? Well then, to ask me a question? Okay, then I'll also ask you one thing, and I promise you that if you answer me one simple question, I'll answer your question. And he does that, and he says, the question about John the Baptist, was he from God or not? With that one question, we can hear the opponent saying, John the Baptist? Who said anything about John the Baptist? And they don't know what to say. And so they retreat back for a powwow in verse 25. They reasoned with themselves, verse 25, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not believe him? And they go on and say, if we say from men, everybody holds him as a prophet, we're in trouble with the people. So with that one question, the enemies of Christ have been thrown into a state of total confusion Confusion, it's like the prayer of the psalmist is answered in Psalm 70, verse two, Psalm 70, verse two. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backwards and put to confusion that desire my hurt. And that's what happened. That one question, they know that they've met their match with the one who is Matthew 12, 42, Matthew 12, 42, Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. They don't know what to say because if they say he was from God, then they know that Christ's next move on the chessboard is gonna be, well, why didn't you endorse him? Why didn't you follow him? Why weren't you lined up with those ones who are coming from all Judah and, and Jerusalem confessing their sins to God? They know if they say, well, if we say he's not from God, then they know that his next move is, is going to be, so you don't believe that John was, then the move is gonna come from the people who are going to turn against them. So in a bind, in confusion, they confess they can't answer the question, which really they're saying, we won't answer the question. They won't answer the question. And then Christ tells them, I won't answer your question. And that's how, with one elegant question, how he silenced the voice of his enemies. Hallelujah, what a savior, what a, what a great man, great, great, great God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our admirable Christ. And as we see him here, Lord, the lamb in the midst of lions, Lord, and you gave him the wisdom, but he conducted himself so admirably, Lord. And uh, all we want to say is we want to be like Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.